Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Ethan, Chapter 3. The house Ethan and his family called home was a huge two-story Victorian, set across the softly rolling land of South Texas, with cattle grazing in pastures that seemed to stretch forever. It was the very picture of an old-time western movie set, except that the cattle in their fence pasture was very real, and the fences were sturdy and purposeful purposeful, not picture-perfect and overly neat. Jacobsville was within an easy drive of Houston, and Victoria was even closer. It had a small-town atmosphere that Aaron Bella had always loved, and she known the people who lived there most of her life, like the Ballinger brothers who ran the biggest feedlot in the territory, and the Jacobs, Tyler and Shelby Jacobs Ballinger, whose ascended the town ancestor the town was named for. The elegant old mansion, with its bone-white walls and turrets and gingerbread latticework, was beautiful enough to have been featured in Lifestyle magazine from time to time. It contained some priceless antiques, both from early Texas and from England, because the first Harlemen had come over from England. The Hardemans were old money, their fortune dated to an early cattle baron who made his fortune in the latter part of the 19th century during a blizzard that wiped out half the cattle ranchers in, wet, in the West. Actually, in the beginning, of, beginning, the family name had been Hartmond, <laughs> but owing to the lack of formal education of their ancestors, the name was hopelessly misspelled on various documents until it came Hardeman. Ethan looked like the portrait of their elder Hardeman that graced the living room mantle. They were probably much the same personality type, too. Aaron Bella thought as she studied Ethan over the coffee he'd brought to the guest room for. He was a forbidding-looking forbi man with a cool, very formal manner that kept most people at arm's length. Thank you for letting me come here, she said. He said, you've got plenty of room. He looked around the high ceiling of the room she'd been given. This was my grandmother's bedroom. He mused, remember hearing Mother talk about her? She lived to be 80 and was something of a hellraiser. She was a vamp or, or some such thing back during the 20s, and her mother was a dyed-in-wool suffragette, one of the Bloomer girls, our campaign for the vote for women. Good for her, Aaron Bella. She'd have liked you. He said, glancing down on her. She had spirit, too. She sipped her coffee. Do I have spirit? She mused. I let my father lead me around by the nose my whole life, and I guess I'd still be doing it if I hadn't been for the accident. She glanced at the cast on her wrist, sighing as she juggled the, the coffee mug in one hand. Ethan, what am I going to do? I won't even have a job, and Daddy always took care of the money. This is no time to start worrying about the future. He said firmly, concentrate on getting well. But I'll take care of everything, he interrupted, your father included. Put the coffee mug down and lay back against the pillows. Her wrist was still uncomfortable and she was taking pain capsules fairly regularly. She felt slightly out of focus and it was so nice to just lie there and let Ethan make all the decisions. Thank you, Ethan, she said and smiled up at him. He didn't smile back. His eyes stood over her face in an exploration that set all her nerves tingling. How long has it been since you had any real rest? he asked after a minute. She shifted on the pillows. I don't know. It seems like forever, she said. There was never any time. Her stomach muscles clenched as she remembered the constant pressure, the practice that never stopped, the planes and motel rooms and concert halls and recording dates and 
expedited audiences, she felt her whole body got rigid with remembering stress. As she recalled how she had to force herself more and more to go out on that stage to keep her nerve from shattering at the sight of all those people. I suppose you'll miss the glamour, Ethan murmured. I suppose, she said absently and closed her eyes, missing the old look that passed over his dark face. You better get some sleep. I'll check on you later. The bed rose as he got up and left the room. She didn't even open her eyes. She was safe here, safe from the specter of failure, safe from her father's long, disapproving face, safe from the cold whip of his eyes. She wondered if he was even ever going to forgive her for her failure, failing him, decided that he probably wouldn't. Tears slid down her cheeks. If only he could have loved her just a bit for what she was underneath her talent. He never seemed to love her. Coran sat with her for most of the day. Ethan's little mother was a holy terror when she was upset, but everyone loved her. She was the first person in the door when someone was sick or needed help. And the last to leave, she gave generously of her time and money, and none of her children had a bad word to say about her, even in adulthood. Well, except Ethan, and sometimes Aunt Bell thought he did that just for amusement, because he loved to watch his mother throw things in temper. Aunt Bella had sent, seen the result of one memorial fight between mother and son back during her teenager years when she was visiting Ethan's brother and sister with Mary. Aunt Bella... Mary, Jan, and Matt had been playing Monopoly on the living room floor when Ethan and his mother got into it in the kitchen. The voices were loud and angry, and unfortunately for Ethan, his mother had been baking a cake when he provoked her. She threw a whole five-pound bag of flour at him, followed by an open jar of chocolate syrup. Aaron Bella and Mary and Jan and Matt had seen Ethan walk by, covered from Stetson hats and booted feet in white flour and chocolate syrup, leaving a trail of bolts behind him on the wooden floor as he strode toward the staircase. Aaron Bella and the others had gaped at him, but one cold eye looked in their direction, dared them to open them out. Aaron Bella had hidden beneath the sofa and collapsed in silent laughter while the others struggled valiantly to keep straight faces. Ethan hadn't said a word, but Corin had continued to fling anger and salts after him from the kitchen doorway as he stomped upwards to shower and change. For a long time after, word Arabella had called him the chocolate ghost, but not to his face. Corin was just a little over five foot three, with the dark hair all her children had inherited, but hers was streaked with silver now. Only Ethan shared her gray eyes. Jan and Matt had dark blue eyes, like their late father. Do you remember when you threw the flower at Ethan? Arabella asked, thinking aloud as she watched Corin's stuffed fingers working a crochet hook through a growing black and red afghan. Corin looked up, plum face bright. Oh, yes, I do, she said. Was like, he refused to sell that bag leading you always liked to ride. One of my best friends wanted him, you see, and I knew you'd be away at music school in New York. He wasn't a working horse, she choked. Ethan dug in his heels, and then he gave me that smile. You know, the one when he knows he's won and he's daring you to do anything about it. I remember looking at the open flower sack. She cleared her throat and went back to working on the asking. Next thing I knew, Ethan was stopping down the hall, leaving a trail of flower chalk serpent in his way and I had to clean it up. She shook her head. I don't throw things very often these days. These days, Only paper baskets and nothing messy. <laughs> and her Bella smiled at the gentle 
countertense, wishing deep in her heart that she'd had a mother like Corin. Her own mother had been quiet, gentle woman whom she barely remembered. She died in a wreck when Aaron Bella was only six. Aaron Bella didn't remember ever hearing her father talk about it, but she recalled that he became a different man after the funeral. She twisted her fingers in the blue quilted coverlet. Her father had discovered by accident that Arabella had a natural talent for the piano, and he'd become obsessed with making her use it. He'd given up his job as a clerk in a law office, and had become a one-man public relations firm with his daughter as his only client. Don't brood, dear, Corinne said gently when she saw the growing anguish on Arabella's loving face. Life is easy when you accept things that happen to you and just deal with them as they crop up. Don't go searching for trouble. Aaron Bell looked up, shifting the cast with a wince because the break was still tender. They'd taken out the clamps that had held the surgical wound together before they put on the cast, but it still felt as if her arm had been thrown in a meat grinder. I'm trying not to, she told Ethan's mother. I thought my father might have called at least since they put me back together, even if it was just to see if I had a chance of getting my career back. Being cynical suits my son, it doesn't suit you, Corin said, glancing at her over the small reading glasses that she wore for close work. Betty Ann is making a cherry cobbler for dessert. My favorite, Aaron Bella groaned. Yes, I know, Ethan told us. He's trying to fatten you up. She frowned at the other one. Is Miriam really trying to come back to him? With a long-suffering sigh, Corin laid the afghan and crochet over her knees. I'm afraid so. It's the last thing in the world he needs, of course, after the way she cut up his pride. Maybe she still loves him, Aaron Bella suggested. Corin Do you know what I think? I think she's just lost her latest lover, and he's left her pregnant. She's trying to lure Ethan into bed and convince him it's his child so that he'll take her back. You really should write books, Aaron Bella said rather. That's a great plot. Corin made a face at her. Don't laugh. I wouldn't put a past her. She isn't as pretty as she used to be. All that hard living and hard drinking had left their mark on her. One of my friends saw her on a cruise recently, and Miriam was pumping her for all sorts of information about Ethan. He remarried or wasn't keeping company with anybody. He wants me to keep company with him, her embellishment, to keep Miriam at bay. Is that what he told you? Corin smiled at I suppose it's as good as excuse as any. What do you mean? Aaron Bell said curiously. Corrin shook her hand. As for Ethan to tell you, are you going to keep company with him? Seems little enough to do for him when he's kind enough to give me a roof over my head. And turn the whole household upside down on my account, she said miserably. I feel like an intruder. Nonsense, Corrin said easily. We all enjoy being you. We all enjoy having you here. And none of us wants Miriam to come back. Do play up to Ethan. It will turn Miriam green with envy and send her running. <laughs> Is she going to stay here? Aaron Bell asked her. Over my, over my dead body, Ethan drawled from the doorway, stared across the room at Aaron Bell. Hello, dear. Been rolling in the mud with the horses again? Corin asked pleasantly. He did look that way. Aaron Bell had to admit he was wearing working gear. Jim, Canberra shirt, thick denims, weathered old leather chaps, boots that no self-respecting street cowboy would have touched with a stick and a hat that sh some horse had stepped on several times. His dark skin had a thin layer of dust on it. His work gloves were grasped in one lean hand that didn't look much cleaner. I've been doctoring calves, he replied. It's March. Here my roundup is in full swing and we're on the tail end of cabin. Guess who's going to be night wa <laughs> night walking the prospect of mamas this week? <laughs> Not Matt, Corin groaned. He'll leave home. He needs to, he said. 
impregnable. He and Mary can't cuss each other out without an audience around here. It's going to affect their marriage sooner or later. I know, Corey said sadly. I've done my best to persuade Matt that he can make it on his own. God knows he can afford to build a house and furnish it on his income from those shares Bob left him. We're too good to him, Ethan pointed out. We need to start refusing to speak to him and putting salt in his coffee. <laughs> if you put salt in my coffee, I'll stuff the cup up your current began hopping. Go ahead, Ethan said when she hesitated. Well, I was to say it. You won't embarrass me. Oh, I'll drink to that, Corin mumbled. You're too much my son to be embarrassed. <laughs> Aaron Bell looked from one to the other. You do favor each other, she said. Your eyes are almost exactly the same shape. He's taller, Corin remarked. Much taller, shrimp. He agreed, but he smiled when he said it. Corin glared at him. Did you come up here for any particular reason, or did you just enjoy annoying me? I came to ask Aaron Bell if she wanted a cat. Aaron Bell gaped at it. A what? <laughs> A cat, he repeated, Bill Daniels, is out front with a mother cat and four kittens that he's taken to the vet to be put down. Yes, I want a cat, Aaron said, I want five cats, she nodded her lower lip. God knows what my father will say when he finds out, though. He hates cats. Why not think about what you want for a change instead of what your father wants, Easton asked quickly, or have you ever had your own way? Once he let me have chocolate ice cream when he told me to get vanilla, she replied. That isn't funny, Ethan said. Sorry. She leaned back against the pillows. I guess I'll never try to stand up to him. It was the truth, even though she rebelled from time to time. Her father's long-standing domination had made it difficult for her to assert herself incredibly when she thought nothing of standing up to Ethan. No time like the present, I'll tell Bill, we'll keep the cats. He moved away from the door. I've got to get back to it. Like that, Corrin, I sure embarrass your men. They won't want to admit they work for someone as filthy as you are. My men are even filthier than I am, he replied proudly. Joe's because you're clean. Corrin moved her hand toward the trash basket, but he just smiled and left the room. It wouldn't have started at him, would you? Well asked. Why not, Corin asked. Does it do to let men get the upper hand, Bella? Especially not Ethan. She added, looking at Aaron Bella thoughtfully. You've learned that much, I see. Ethan is a good man. A strong man. But that's all the more reason to stand up to him. He wants his own way and he won't give an inch. Maybe that was one reason he and Miriam couldn't make a go of it. That and her wild ways. One man just wasn't enough for her, Corin replied. I can't imagine anyone going from Ethan to someone else, Arabelle said. He's unique. I think so. Even if he is my son, Corin picked up her afghan and crocheted her. How do you feel about him, Belle? I'm very grateful to him for what he's done for me, she said evasively. He's always been like a big brother. Don't you have to pretend, Corin said gently. I'm perceptive, even if I don't look it. She lowered her eyes to her crochet. He made the mistake of his life by letting you get away. I'm sorry for both of you that it didn't work out. Aaron Bell studied the cover letter to her nervous hands. It's just as well that it didn't, she replied. I have a career that I hope to go back to. He said, well, maybe him and Muriel will pitch, patch things up. God forbid, Corin muttered. She sighed everywhere. Life goes on, but I'm glad Ethan brought you home with him, Bella. She looked up. He isn't a carefree man, and he takes one too much responsibility sometimes. He's forgotten how to play, but he changes when he's with you. Makes me happy to see how difficult. How different he is when you're around. You always could make him smile. 
Aaron Bella thought about that long after Corin had gone downstairs to help Betty Ann in the kitchen. Ethan did smile more with her than he did with other people. He always had. She noticed it, but it surprised her that his mother had. For two days, Aaron Bella was confused. Confined to bed against her will. Doctor's orders, they told her, because she'd been concussed and badly bruised and wrecked. But on the third day, the sun came out and the temperature was unnaturally high that afternoon for early March. She got downstairs by herself, a little wobbly from her enforced leisure, and sat down in the porch swing. Corinne had gone to a ladies' circle meeting and Mary was shopping, so there was no one to tell her she couldn't go outside. Mary had helped her dress that morning in a snap front full denim skirt and a long sleeve blue sweatshirt. She tried she tied her hair back with a blue velvet ribbon. She looked elegant even in such casual attire, and the touch of makeup she used made her look more alive. Not that anyone would be around to notice. That was where she was mistaken. The pickup truck pulled into the yard, and Ethan got out of it, pausing on the steps when he saw her sitting in the swing. Who the hell told you to get out of bed? He demanded. I'm tired of staying in bed, she replied. Her heart went wild just at the sight of him. He was wearing faded jeans and a Canterbury shirt with a beat-up tan Stetson, and his boots were muddy as he joined her on the porch. It's a beautiful day, she added hopefully. So it is. He lit a cigarette and leaned against the post, his pale eyes glancing over her. I checked with your uncle this morning. Did you? She watched him curiously. Your father left Dallas for New York this morning. His eyes moved. Do you know why? She grimaced. The bank account, I guess, if, if there's anything in it. There's something in it, he said pleasantly, but he won't get to it. I have my attorney slap an injection on your father, and the bank has ordered not to release a penny to him. That's where I've been. Then it was that we're having to get you by the purse string purse strings, he said quietly. When you're back on your feet again, you can play twenty questions with him right now. You're here to get well, not to have yourself left pinning list by your mercenary father. Do I have much? he asked, dreading the answer because her father enjoyed luxury in his lifestyle. You have twenty five thousand, he replied. Not a fortune, but it will keep you if it's invested properly. She stared at his muscular arms, remembering the strength of him. I didn't think ahead. She said, I let him put the money in a joint account because he said it was the best way. I guess I owe you my livelihood, don't I? She added with a smile. He replied, what? But helping you get rid of Mary, I'm sorry. We'll have to do a little work on you first. He returned. He studied her for a moment. You washed your hair? Actually, Mary and I washed my hair. I had, I have to get Mary to help me dress with this thing on, she muttered, holding up the arm with the cast, and grimacing at the twin of Pentecost. I can't even fasten my bra, she bit off the rest of the work. His eyes were embarrassed to talk about undergarments with me, he asked. I know what women wear under their clothes. He grew suddenly distant and cold. I know all too well. Miriam hurt you very badly, didn't she, Ethan? She asked without meeting his eyes. I suppose having her back here makes all the scars open up. She looked up, then catching the bitterness in his expression before he could erase it. He sighed heavily and lifted the cigarette to his lips with a vicious movement of his fingers as he stared out the horizon blankly. Yes, she hurt me, but it was my pride, not my heart, that took a beating. When I threw her out, I vowed that no one was going to get a second shot at me. So far, no one has. Was he warning her off? <laughs> Surely he knew that she'd never had the courage to set her cap for him.
He knocked her back hard, and I told him to marry him. Well, don't look at me. <laughs> she said with a forced smile. I'm definitely not Mari Hari. Mari Hari material. Some of the tension left. He stubbed out the finished cigarette in an ashtray. All the same little one. I can't see you sleeping around before or after that. We go to church. She said simply. I go to church myself. She clasped her hands around. I read about this poll they took. Said that only 4% of the people in the country that believe in God. The 4% that produce motion pictures and television programs, no doubt. In her dryly, she burst out laughing. That was unkind, she said. They aren't atheists. They're just afraid of offending somebody. Religion and politics are dangerous sus subjects. I'm never worried about offending people, Ethan replied. In fact, I seem to have a knack for it. She smiled at him, made her feel alive and free as if she could do anything. Her green eyes sparkled as they met and held his silver ones in the same electricity red between them that had bound them together years ago on hazy day and late summer. Late summer. The look had been translated into physical reality at one time, but now it only made Aaron Bella sad for something she'd never have again. Even so, Ethan didn't look away. Perhaps he couldn't, she thought dazedly. Her little heart shake with it when it beat, her body tingling all over with sweet remembered pleasure. He said something, mouth under his breath, and abruptly turned away. I've got to get down to the holding pins. If you need anything, sing out. Betty ends in the kitchen. He left without a backward glance. Arabella stared after him with open longing. It seemed that she seemed that she couldn't breathe without seeing him off, and even if he could have felt something for her, he wasn't going to let his guard down again. He already said Miriam had really done a job on his pride. She leaned back in the swing and started it swinging. Odd that he hadn't found someone to replace Miriam as soon as his marriage was over. He could have had his pick on looks alone, never mind the fortune behind his name, but he'd been a learner ever since from what Mary had said. Surely Miriam couldn't have hurt him that much unless he was still in love with her. She sighed. She was a little afraid of Ethan. She was too much vulnerable, and he was close at hand and alone. Ironically, Miriam's arrival might be her only hope of keeping her heart from being broken by him all over again. End of chapter 3.